today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Always great to get a, a snapshot as to how the Canadian public are feeling about what's going on. And clearly, COVID is, is dominating everybody uh, these days. And it also, I think, is coloring our political opinions, or our opinions of our political leaders, for that matter, too, uh, which is always uh, insightful to uh, get some ideas about what's happening. Uh, an Ipsos poll that was done exclusively for Global News ahead of the upcoming uh, federal budget, uh, a majority of Canadians, 82% specifically, uh, want to see a reasonable plan for a timely return to balanced budgets. That's only one of many things. There's also some good news in here, I guess, for the, the federal liberals, but there are some caveats to that. Joining us to talk about this is uh, Daryl Bricker. Daryl, of course, is the CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs and uh, always a welcome guest on the program. Hope you're doing well these days, Daryl. I am. Uh, thanks for having me on, Bill. I hope you are, well, too. Uh, so far, so good. Things seem to be going pretty well. Uh, I, I'm always intrigued by these numbers and the attitudes uh, of this. And, and I, the problem with a lot of these polls, of course, is uh, depending on the uh, the eye of the beholder, uh, you know, you get different perspectives on this. I know that some of the liberals I've talked to uh, in the last couple of days are thinking, you know what, things are looking pretty good right now. Uh, we're in majority government territory if there were to be an election called today. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, we're ready to just you know, join hands and sing kumbaya. The, the, the people that you talk to in this poll still have some serious concerns, don't they? They do, and, and any poll these days is kind of like nailing jello to the wall. Um, yeah. uh, there's so many things that are happening on a daily basis, and depending on what's going on with the pandemic, which really does drive a lot of what people are thinking right now, uh, you could see the numbers go up or down. So, um, you know, we have the Liberals right now with a 10-point lead, which is the biggest lead we've seen them hold, you know, actually, I think just about ever uh, since Justin Trudeau became Prime Minister. He, he, in fact, he didn't even win the election back in 2015 by 10 points. Uh, so he's um, he's looking pretty good, and the Liberals are looking pretty good, knocking on the door of a majority. But depending on what happens with vaccinations, depending on what happens with uh, the pandemic, and as you were alluding to, depending on what happens with the upcoming budget, you could see those numbers jolt up or down. That budget, there's a lot riding on this, isn't there? According to the to the answers that the the poll the the, the respondents gave to this, I, I know that initially it looks like there's some mixed messaging. They want to see some assistance and they want to see some aid, uh, but they're looking for fiscal responsibility, which comes as a surprise to some people. Yeah, it's a it's a really difficult balance to uh, to uh, to hold. So uh, you can't spend nearly two generations telling Canadians that deficits are a bad thing for them all of a sudden to start thinking they're good things. So when you go and you talk to people about deficits, the way they think about them is not on a national basis. They think about what a deficit is in their own home. You know, what, what you would do if you were in a situation in which you were spending more than you were bringing in. And that makes people uncomfortable in their own personal lives, and it makes them uncomfortable in their, in their national lives still. So even though uh, we're absorbing big deficits right now, and the public, by the way, supports that, because they see it as going to aid people who are suffering as a result of what's going on uh, during the course of this pandemic. They don't see it as a good thing. So the idea that you would increase deficit spending even more because you've got projects outside of the pandemic, say, for example, like a new green recovery, or you've got a new national child care program, or you've got uh, some other initiative that uh, uh, is outside of the specific elements of the pandemic, that's when you start making people nervous. So it'll be interesting to see if the Liberals are getting the right message from what the public is telling them, which is, yeah, do what you need to do for the pandemic, but uh, you need to at least communicate how you're going to get the spending under control and maybe how some of these other projects aren't going to further bust the bank.
And that's going to be fascinating to see just uh, how they balance that, because they have talked uh, at great length, uh, especially in, in the last year or so, uh, about the National Child Care Program as part of the foundation for the recovery plan to get people back to work. Uh, and, and, you know, even as, as late as yesterday, I guess, Minister Freeland was talking about that. Uh, that's not high on the priority list. That, that, I think that surprised a lot of people. Yeah, I, I would, it, it's it, not it, high it on the Canadian public's priority list. The government seems to, to want to move forward with it, but not the Canadian public, not so much anyway. Correct. And, and that's where you start getting, you start looking at the long list we asked about in the survey and you see more of these specific types of things, uh, like a national child care program or a national family care program or, or those kinds of things, actually rank way down the list. And what that's Canadi- Canadians are saying to us is, look, this is a special set of circumstances in which we see big government intervention and big spending specifically related to providing people with assistance in this situation. It's not a blank uh, um, check to go out and fund all sorts of other things because we now think the government is the solution to all of the world's ills. So there's, there's, there's still reluctance, uh, I would say, among Canadians, enough Canadians, that the, that the government needs to be cautious going in this budget to communicate at least an intention that they want to bring the deficit back under control. Because as you saw in the survey results, over 80% of the public says they'd vote for a party that says that they're going to try and control the deficit. Are they looking for a roadmap out of this too, Daryl? Yeah, they are, and and one that's practical and one that works into their own day-to-day lives. So um, you can talk about like you know big ambitious infrastructure projects and all this kind of thing, but if if an individual person doesn't see themselves in that um, and see how they're going to personally benefit from that, it raises a bunch of questions about whether or not it's worthwhile. There's a fascinating section on this that, that I wanted to get your comment on because the, the answers, quite frankly, surprised me. Uh, how do we get rid of the deficit? And, and you know, there are some tools that governments can use. Uh, the C.D. Howe Institute, I think, yesterday or last week, rather, talked about, you know, uh, increasing the, the size of, of the HST uh, and, and, you know, to, to generate revenue. Uh, there's the old idea of let's tax the rich much more, which was a big part of the U.S. election a few months ago. Uh, there's not much of an appetite for that, though. The Canadian public are basically uh, saying, okay, you got to show us what you're going to do, but uh, we're not crazy about some of the ideas you've used in the past. Yeah, in fact, the, the biggest thing that, uh, that people said about uh, what they'd like to see out of the budget is actually cutting their own taxes. Yeah. So the idea of raising taxes on the rich, yeah, there's a certain constituency for that. Uh, but first of all, define what rich is. Um, the, uh, but the bigger desire is to actually see a reduction in taxes for the lower to middle income class. And by the way, the lower income cl- class doesn't, most of it doesn't play, pay taxes anyway. Um, so it, it, the tax issue is not clear cut in terms of how the public is thinking right now. And to go out and say we're going to raise taxes, particularly on the most affluent Canadians, being very careful about defining what that group of the population is and the potential consequences of raising taxes on people who are more affluent uh, has to be something that the government needs to be considering. Yeah, again, not a not a blank check. I, I got to wonder about you know the Canadian mood for something like that, and I think this is reflected in the in the answers that they gave you, Daryl. Remember a couple of years ago, the then finance minister Bill Morneau tried to uh, talk about some changes to the tax code, and there was such a pushback on that. He eventually backed down altogether from doing uh, most of the stuff that he wanted to do in a situation like that. That was pre-pandemic. I think in this circumstance right now, there's zero appetite uh, for them to start messing around with the tax code. 
Right. So, uh, you know, the, the attack that you're talking about there, uh, or the attempt to change uh, uh, the tax system, particularly towards small business, and yeah. small business deductions, was the one that caused this big, big explosion. And there's two problems with that. One of them is uh, small businesses are the, the businesses that really drive a lot of our economy. And there's a lot of people who run them. Even if it's not their full-time job, they might have, uh, as they, they call it, a side hustle. Something that they're doing as a, as a small business. So there's a problem with that. And also small businesses, and, and include farmers in that group, are polit- pretty well politically organized. And whereas um, a lot of other things that the government can do doesn't have an organized opposition, when it comes to these kinds of changes, particularly related to small businesses, farmers, and other defined groups like that, you're going to get some pushback. So again... Um, uh, you know, taking that on uh, a difficult uh, a difficult thing to do for any government, and they're going to have to be careful. And, and and let's face it, I think there has been a lot of discussion about trying to get out of this, the economic recovery uh, that we've been talking about for the last six or eight months. And we obviously have had a couple of steps back because of what's happened with the uh, the variants and everything. But they're going to be looking for some short-term solutions, I guess. In other words, some government programs uh, to get us out of the hole that we're in right now. Right. And, and uh, the real interesting questions, I mean, there's a bunch of questions around this, is how much of it is about stimulating the private sector, how much of it is about the government doing things itself, and how much of it is going to actually take place in the short term. Because people are looking for things that are going to affect the situation now and saying we're going to have something, you know, build back better that's going to have an impact five years from now. When people are talking about tomorrow these days, Bill, they're talking about Wednesday. Uh, let's get into the politics of this for a couple of minutes, though, Daryl. Uh, you mentioned off the top here that uh, uh, the Liberals have a substantial lead. Uh, maybe not surprising given some of the things that have gone on. And, uh, but it is uh, surprising when you look at some of the pushback about the vaccination program and a lot of the, uh, the premiers pointing to the federal government and say they've really dropped the ball, which is true, by the way. Uh, but the prime minister himself has seen an increase in his personal popularity. I think that raised a few eyebrows. Yeah, it has. And, and in fact, we did look at vaccines uh, in, in the course of the polling. And uh, the fact that there has been a, a, a rollout and a ramp up of what's going on with vaccines, maybe not to the level that uh, people would find satisfactory, but certainly in the right direction, has helped uh, the Liberal Party's numbers. It's helped the Prime Minister's numbers, but it's also helped all of the provincial premiers. So even ones that were struggling a bit, including uh, Premier Ford, uh, Premier uh, Kenny in Alberta, have also seen their numbers come up a little bit as a result of uh, uh, people what people see as progress on vaccines. What message uh, can Aaron O'Toole and Conservatives take out of this? They, they, they've had another dip right now. They've been uh, you know, chipping away or trying to chip away at this right now, seemingly with, without a whole lot of success. Uh, we, we pretty much know there's going to be an election sooner than later here. Where, where, where do they stand? Well, the problem that the Conservatives have right now is they've got their core in the left. So the Conservative core is about 30% of the vote. They need to find themselves another 8 to 10 and they've got to get them from somewhere. And right now, whatever they're doing is not appealing to that next group of voters that need to vote for the party if they're uh, if they're going to uh, be successful in the next election campaign. But the biggest thing that comes out of the polling, apart from what's happening to the Conservatives, by the way, who haven't moved very much, is is the consolidation of the progressive vote behind the Liberal Party. So what we've seen more of is the collapse of support around the Green Party and collapse of support for the NDP. Uh, so the Liberals have moved left, and they've attracted voters that have um, uh, have that more as their orientation, their political orientation, and that's what makes the Liberal Party strong right now. 
And the plus 55 vote, uh, which, as you mentioned, uh, you know, as your analysis of the of the polling that you got here, Daryl, uh, those are the people that tend to vote, 55 and older. I mean, they they you can pretty much count on those numbers. And the liberals saw a big jump in their support in that demographic. Yeah, and I think that that's probably a communication uh, with change exhaustion. <laughs> that's what they're telling us. <laughs> so, you know, they've been living, older people tend not to like change as much. Uh, so they've been living with a, an awful lot of challenges and an awful lot of change over the last while. So a little stability is something that they would like in their life, and therefore the, des- uh, the desire to change the government may not quite be as strong as it is for some of the uh, uh, younger uh, groups of voters. We've talked in the past about the fact that uh, the election call, and it may well be the government that's going to do this as opposed to the opposition parties bringing this government down, uh, is, is are the, are these numbers... Uh, going to move them in that direction? I mean, the vaccine program has improved, of course, but it's not where it should be right now. Uh, the speculation I, I heard, and, and you're closer to it up in Ottawa than I am, Daryl, that, uh, that they're going to go for a summer break and there could well be an election call during that summer break. Do, do these numbers validate that sort of an idea? Yeah, uh, they would like to get defeated on their budget, obviously. Um, but uh, the problem, at, at minimum, uh, the fact that their budget will pass uh, is pretty much assured by what you're seeing in these numbers, because uh, particularly the NDP is not going to want to go to the polls uh, when their numbers are at 13, which is even lower than it was in the last election, which was a new low (laughs) after the previous election. Um, So uh, the NDP, um, the likelihood that they're going to vote against the budget is really small. Um, So it's going to pass. So they're not going to fall on that basis. So they're going to have to come up with another reason. And there is the challenge. Because if people do not want to have a lot of change, they don't want to have a lot of disruption right now, causing the disruption by calling an election or a potential disruption by calling the election is also a problem, and particularly in the midst of a pandemic. So a, a, lot, of, a lot of moving parts here. And as I said before, the polling numbers are, these days are like trying to nail jello to the wall. It's, it's, it's really difficult. Things are moving up and down. So we'll see how things go. So regardless of the speculation out of Ottawa among people who, uh, who feel that they know what's going on, I can assure you they don't. <laughs> uh, on that note, we'll uh, finish it off. I know it's a busy day for you, Daryl. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Always a pleasure, Bill. Thank you very much. Take care. Daryl Burker, of course, CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs. And uh, we'll see just uh, what kind of response we get from the government on this and uh, how they want to play this out over the next little while. Budget, of course, about a week or so away, and that's really going to be the linchpin, as Daryl just mentioned. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.